Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the most challenging day in the life of a pastor. The government robs you of an hour of sleep, and now I get to keep you awake. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I will sing, I will dance, I will do jumping jacks, whatever is needed in order to keep you with us this morning. Welcome to Southfield. Um, yeah, it always hurts, but the only thing that hurt worse was that cold. Yep. So... We are ready for all that to be done and ready for a new week. It's going to be a good one. So how are you doing today? Doing very well. Good. Good to, good to see you. I'm glad you're, glad you're doing well. Sherry, I'm really confused. There, is that what's supposed to be up? Okay. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Sherry already fell asleep. It's not even <laughs> 9 o'clock, Sherry. Come on, dear. That room is very dark. It's so dark. It's warm. We gave her a pillow yeah. and boom, she's out. That's it. It's all over. <laughs> Oh, my word. Well, let's go ahead and look at the update. And we actually, we sent it a day early this mm -hmm. week. So it came on Friday instead. A lot of times we have it done on Friday, and I kind of debate, oh, should we do it Friday? Should we do it Saturday? You're in the rhythm of Saturday. But for a lot of people, they're sitting at work, and Friday works out really well. So we'll try that for a little bit, see how opens go and all that sort of thing. Tell us a little bit about being a small group guide at camp. What's that like? What's it all about? Yeah, so <clears throat> as we kind of lined up last week, our, our small group guide, is going to have a very different task than, than in the past. It's not, um, I know people have looked at that as, oh, we'll have to sit and, uh, and be with kids literally all day long, and I don't know that I can entertain them. I don't know if I can manage, you know, handling the sniffles and the snots and the bathroom runs and the complaining and all that. But it, it's, it's just not, that's not what it's all about. Being a small group guide is the opportunity to literally build into the kids from kindergarten to sixth grade this year at camp. And it, while you're going to get to experience camp along with them, and I think that that's a really, cool, uh, a really cool thing. As you're getting on their level, hearing the same stories, hearing how they react to it, how they understand it, not only will you be able to, to literally guide them to, to having a strong relationship with God, but I think it'll help you too. Mm -hmm. I really do. Mm -hmm. um, and I mm -hmm. think it'll help those, those conversations with friends, family, um, and everybody else, as you, uh, as you learn to, to, tell the, to tell your story and tell the story of the gospel. I was in on a game of Bible trivia recently, which it's funny because I wasn't there, but the person was using me as their phone-a-friend to kind of cheat. And, um, kind and of so, cheat? To kind of this cheat. This sounded like To kind of cheating. cheat on Bible trivia. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it, was, it was cool because one of the comments the person said was, everything I've learned from the Old Testament, I've learned from being a big kid small group leader. And, and I think that that's true, that a lot of times we get we get some of the Bible stories that we didn't have filled in. And then on top of that, just the opportunity for a relationship to be able to be there with, with the kid and let them know that they are known and loved. I mean, one of the things, I, it sounds really crazy, but one of the things that's important to us at camp is that the leader knows the kid's name mm -hmm. and that the leader knows the parents. So that knowing is so important, such a vital connection. But so that, that link is there for you to go ahead and at least maybe not sign up, but express interest, find out more, see if that's something you might want to do. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and four days this year, four days. Right. 
Um, and yeah, I mean, just it's, it's so cool to watch the progression from day one where you, you'll get the kid that's coming to camp for the first time and they're all timid and you know, yeah. eyes wide open, like, I don't want to do anything to the end of the week where they're literally like tackling, right. maybe because I'm encouraging it from up front. There you go. Uh, but they're literally tackling their, their small group leaders because they've just literally fallen in love with them. Yeah, small group, uh, small group, um, not small group, high school and junior high rooted has been shorter than mm-hmm. the rest of us. It's a six-week guide instead of a 10-week guide. So for you, you're coming close to the end of that. It's and we've sad. had that <laughs> junior high group that's been meeting, the junior mm-hmm. high girls, they're loving what they're doing. And so they've decided they want to sign on for another round of something else. Yeah. So what all do you know about that? They're doing Defined by uh, Priscilla Shire. Uh, and it is just, it's going to be a really, really cool um, it's going to be a really cool experience. Yeah. The, the world has done a fantastic job of messing up how we view ourselves. And, and the hand, the, just the ideas that, that we have, the, where we find our worth, where we find our value. And so they're going to spend eight weeks. I mean, these girls, they've, they've been taken rooted so seriously. And they're, again, so excited to, to do this longer study. It's actually it's mm-hmm. longer than the rooted study. Um, and they're going to be diving right back into it to, to learn about how, who God tells us we are and living into that truth rather than the truth of the world. It fits beautifully with what we're talking about this morning because so much of the reason that we live in the sin patterns that we do is because we've chosen to believe lies and we need to know the truth. The truth counters the lie. So, so what, a, what, a great, what a great follow-up. Um, this, this is just kind of one of those things that I do from time to time. I think I'm going to start tying it to the time change so that we know that we're doing it regularly enough. But um, so this is what we might call the annual potty talk. Um, I don't know what it is about church. You know, we can, we can go to a movie and sit for two and a half hours and not have to get up and go potty. We can uh, sit with a game controller in our hands and sit there for two and a half hours and not have to go potty. But we walk into this room, and it just, I don't know why it is, it arouses certain urges in people to have to get up and go potty. And so um, what what we do from time to time is have the annual potty talk that we basically say, folks, uh, we need to think this through a little bit better. You know, with our kids, we need to think through a little bit better, uh, maybe getting to the restroom ahead of time as adults. If you're leaving a couple times during a service, it might be time to check out some of the fine urologists of the Dooley Health System and, uh, you know, have a, have a conversation with them about your, about your health. But, um, you know, I, I know it's like, how can you talk about something so indelicate? The bottom line is we, we want to, we're, we're part of what's going on here. Mm-hmm. We want to make sure that we minimize distractions as much as possible. But then beyond that, we also want to be aware of just the overall security of everything that's going on in the building. So when someone leaves the service, we want to be paying attention where they're going, what they're doing, and that, you know, something bad isn't happening to them or with them or whatever. So, so just have that awareness. I don't want to belabor it, but, you know, now here's what happens on a day like today. Today's the day that you, you know, you've got that nagging cough that you got to leave the room. Please, if you got to do that, do that. That's okay. But if literally every week you're having to leave the room upwards of three and four times uh, during a service, it's probably time to uh, think about it. Yeah. Think about well, it. I just think about right? the example that, that we set to uh, for, yeah. for, the, for the kids in the room that are, that are watching and saying, well, why, why do they get to get up and why do they get to leave? Yeah. Um, when when we, want, we want those kids uh, and adults, obviously, but we want everybody here in here 
hearing that message, letting it soak in and, and change lives. So. Yeah. So this, uh, during Rooted, every week there's been a, there's been a theme verse, uh, a verse to be able to go ahead and memorize. This one is from Ephesians 2, uh, chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 10. For a lot of us, especially if you were like an Awana kid or whatever, you learned Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, and they didn't have us learn 10 along with it. And 10 just brings all of that story of grace together where, where God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And, and the other words used in, in the different versions, we are God's masterpiece. We are his workmanship. He created us. Uh, it literally is, it's a picture of, of God just doing this beautiful design. And so one of the truths that God wants spoken into us, spoken into our hearts, is the fact that you're not a mistake, you're not an accident. You were created on purpose, for a purpose, for his glory, and, and to have that, that focus. And, and part of what I love about this, this verse is it, it reminds us not just that we are, we are a work of art, but God has things he wants done in his world. And long before we ever appeared in this, this, this universe, he knew the things he would have us to do. And so we're spending our lives trying to figure out, God, what is it you've called me to do? It's beautiful. So what I'd like to do this morning, we're going to be spending some time in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, looking again at the verse from last week. And as we do, we talk a lot of times about context, the need to understand a verse within its context. The fullest context of a verse, of course, is the chapter in which it's found. And um, in 2 Corinthians, actually the whole book of 2 Corinthians is really interesting because Paul, this was, this was a church which, with, with which Paul had some great struggles there were some people in this church that were spreading rumors and lies about him. Uh, they, they, had this, they had this way of speaking of Paul and saying, you know, when, when you're not present, you can, you can write one nasty pen letter. I mean, you can really, you can give it to us. But then you show up in person and you're kind of meek and timid and who are you really? You got kind of this split personality thing going on. And, and then beyond that, there were people in there saying, Paul thinks he's a great apostle, but you should really be listening to me, not listening to Paul. So a lot of, when you read 2 Corinthians, it's a very emotional letter. It's within the context of, of chapter 10 that he gave us these words about demolishing strongholds. But when you read the rest of the chapter, you kind of go, how does it fit with the whole thing? So, so I'd like you to go ahead and we're going to have you read it. Every once in a while, I might stop you, okay? I'm, I'm not totally positive yet, but I, I might stop you and say a word or two along the way, including the fact that he's got timid and bold in quotes. So he's literally quoting the accusations as he gets started. Yeah. By the humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you, I, Paul, who am timid when, I face, when face to face with you, but bold toward you when away. I beg you that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be toward some people who think that we live by the standards of this world. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. 
So part of what's going on there, at the end of, at the end of verse 2, one of the accusations against him is that he's, he's not as hyper-spiritual as these leaders who thought they were hyper-spiritual. He's not as powerful, not as flashy, all that sort of stuff. So he's bringing it within the context of saying, you know, they all say, I'm timid, I'm not bold, all those sorts of things, and I'm just using natural, natural arguments instead of, instead of divine arguments. But he says, no, just the opposite. That's not, what, that's not what's happening. So keep going. You are judging by appearances. If anyone is confident that they belong to Christ, they should consider again that we belong to Christ just as much as they do. So even if I boast somewhat freely about the authority the Lord gave us for building you up rather than tearing you down, I will not be ashamed of it. I do not want to seem to be trying to frighten you with my letters. For some say his letters are weighty and forceful, but in person he is unimpressive and speaking amounts to, and his speaking amounts to nothing. Such people should realize that we are in our letters when we are absent, but we will be in our actions when we are present. We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with, someone, with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they're not wise. <laughs> we, however, will not boast beyond proper limits, but will confine our boasting to the sphere of service of God himself that he has assigned to us a sphere that also includes you. We're not going too far in our boasting, as would be the case if we had not come to you. For we did get as far as, we did get as, far as you I like with that the you're gospel stumbling of Christ. With it because yeah. that's kind of the way that's the whole word. thing feels, yeah. right? It's like, ah! Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> For we did get as far as you with the gospel of Christ. Neither do we go beyond our limits by boasting by the work done by others. Our hope is that as your faith continues to grow, our sphere of activity among you will greatly expand so that we can preach the gospel in the regions beyond you. For we do not want to boast about work already done in someone else's territory, but let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. For it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. We're going to be singing a song, so our team's going to gather while, while we finish this part out. Um, <clears throat> It's interesting when you read the entire chapter. Here you have a guy who's basically saying, I have people making accusations against me, and, and I'm kind of tired of the accusations. They're not true. They're braggers. They shouldn't be bragging. I'm trying to be humble. My humility is being misread instead as not being very powerful. He's just in the middle of all this, ah, you know, his, his head's about to explode. And, and in all of it, he has these beautiful verses embedded there saying, we fight with spiritual weaponry. We don't fight with natural arguments. And there are strongholds that need to be broken down. So I, I love that in the middle of just a discussion of, folks, this is what's going on in this church, and it's making me a little crazy. You can hear Paul saying, this is making me a little crazy. But we operate on a higher plane, and we need to keep our minds on that higher plane. So uh, we're going to dig into those verses a little bit more in just a couple minutes, but we'd love for you to stand. We want to join again in this song that was introduced to us last year, welcoming the Holy Spirit to be a part of our gathering today, to be uh, opening our hearts to what we have to say here uh, from His Word. So uh, sing along if you know the song, listen to it if you do not, and allow it to be a prayer that welcomes the Spirit into this space today. We do welcome your presence today, Holy Spirit. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we worship you today. We are grateful that as we gather in this place and open 
Scripture, that we know that uh, you, Holy Spirit, help us to understand it, and not just to understand it, but you empower us to live it. I pray that we would, uh, in this place, as well as we walk from, as well as when we walk from this place, realize that, that we do not simply operate in the realm of flesh and blood, but that we are also part of a, a spiritual realm, a spiritual battle, and that we are not alone in that. You, Spirit, are with us all the time. Guide and direct us, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. So this week, as you dive into Rooted, you know, I said a few weeks back that as we got going, you would eventually, you'd figure out your rhythm for the workbook. And so for some of you, you've already finished the week, the first week that's talking about serving and getting involved in that. For others of you, you're, you're just starting to break into it. Um, so we've got, we've got both, of those, both of those things going today. But as, as I looked at that and looked at the, the two weeks that are going together on serving, I thought, you know, not quite ready to move away yet from what we were talking about last week. We're not quite ready yet to move away from talking about the role of the evil one in our lives and especially the role of strongholds. What I find really intriguing, and this in some ways does relate to serving, is that very often our stronghold issues show themselves in in amazing fashion. They show themselves when we get involved in serving. We get involved in a serve and, and we find ourselves feeling defeated because nobody's noticing what we're doing. That's part of, that might be part of my stronghold. Or, or, or we get involved in a serve and we find ourselves needing to control every aspect of what's going on. And that's part of my stronghold that's, that's showing itself. We have these different aspects that come ringing out. And so I think it's really vital to spend a little bit more time looking at the strongholds and making sure not only that we understand them, it's great to understand it, but that, but that we're actually starting to live in some freedom from the stronghold. <clears throat> had this uh, fun kind of ironic conversation with Shelly last week. I, I think it was on Monday or Tuesday that she said, wow, you, you just kind of took the Rooted book this week, the week about the enemy, and you just preached it this Sunday. And, and, and I was like, well, honestly, the only page I read was the day about strongholds. I hadn't read any of the rest of it. And, and I said, you know, it, it's quite possible that what was going on there is God the Holy Spirit is telling us exactly what we need to hear and hear it twice. Having said that, today we're pretty much going to follow the stronghold stuff. And part of the reason we're going to follow it is because I don't disagree with what they say, but I think there are pieces of what they say that need some expansion. They, they, need, they, need, some, they need some exposition so that we, we understand fully what's going on there and don't have a misunderstanding of the role of stronghold. So in all the groups that I was a part of this week, I basically started with this simple question. What is a stronghold? You spend time reading it, understanding it. You have understandings from the past. What is a stronghold? And, and the lists that were given were great. I mean, very often they included some of these. Addictive habits or addictive behaviors. A lot of times we think of it in terms of addiction because why? Because addiction is binding. Addiction is one of those things that we, we feel stuck in our addictive state. And so there's that sense of a, a stronghold that has me captive uh, others said it's habitual sin. In fact, I love one person said it's, it's chronic sin, chronic sin. The kind of sin that just, you know, it's like other areas, you're getting them under control, and that one just keeps coming back. It keeps, keeps nagging at you. 
Um, another, another one that we would say, I, I use the word besetting sin. Besetting sin is a, a theological category that basically says there's a sin in your life that's uniquely yours. It's kind of funny, as you talk to your friends, you talk to your spouse, whatever, you find they're not as impacted by that particular sin as you are. And that's kind of, that's the, that's the beachhead that Satan hits you time and time again. And what I find with besetting sins over the course of a lifetime is that's a unique area that God is trying to grow you. He's trying to grow you to be like himself. And that, that's the one area that you'll struggle. So some people see uh, the strongholds as their besetting sin. Then you have the generational sins. If you were to look back through your family tree, not, not only do you see yourself in the images, you look at great-great-grandpa and go, oh my word, he looks just like me. But if you were able to dig into your family history some, what you find is that sadly, we tend to fa- pass down our generational sins from one generation to the next. And there will be certain areas, certain weaknesses that are just, it's kind of our family thing. The funny thing is I think it's true of organizations as well. That churches that are around for a long time will have family sins, so to speak. Things that are just kind of baked into the personality of that particular family. And then, and then most broadly, it was seen as demonic activity. Just, not just average sin, but demonic activity in the life of a believer. All of these are different ways that, that strongholds were described. And, and what I struggled with in looking all that was going back again to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Brian read it. For though we live in the world, he's saying, yeah, I am flesh and blood. Just like everybody else, I am flesh and blood. Though we live in the world, though we are people of flesh, we do not wage war as the world does. We do not wage war on a fleshly level. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. They're not flesh weapons. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. It's literally the only time that word, that Greek word, is used in the New Testament. The only time. So we've got to wonder, what is he talking about here? Demolishing strongholds. If we just end there, if we don't, if we don't go on to the rest of the passage, we can fill that with any definition we want. But he continues to define it by the next part of what he says. He says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Many people believe that Paul, when he was writing this, had a particular military battle in mind that the Romans fought, where they went down the coastline and literally just went from one fort to the next, one stronghold to the next, and they demolished that one, and they demolished the next one, and they demolished the next one. And as they did, they take, literally take the soldiers from that place captive and just continue along, continuing to collect captives who were enemies of the Roman Empire. <clears throat> it's possible that's what he has in mind. What you would find, if, if, you, if you knew a lot of the Greek terminology going on here, he is, he is talking classic battle language. This is, this is the jargon of a general. He is just throwing out battle language to describe this is what it's all about, to fight the enemy. But <clears throat> what we find here is Paul not listing a particular sin or a particular activity. What Paul says is, hey, the issue is the thought. The issue is what's going on in the mind. The issue is what we're thinking. And our thinking is leading to a particular kind of behavior. 
And we have to get involved in taking captive the wrong thoughts. We have to take captive the things that are causing us to act in a certain way because our thinking is leading to that action. So the sin itself is not the stronghold. The sin, the habit, is the expression. It's the expression of the stronghold. It helps us to see. If you're wondering what your stronghold is, look at your behaviors. Look at your actions. Look at what you're doing. Some of you are having a hard time. I don't know what my strongholds are. Look at your life. Because your actions are giving you an idea of the stronghold that has you captive. But here's the thing. The stronghold isn't the sin. The stronghold's what's going on up here. The stronghold is the lie that you're choosing to live into. And you continue, we continue to live into these lies. The strongholds are rooted in lies. What lies? Well, some of them are just the lies of my family tree. That again, generational sin or the lies of my earliest voices. There are certain things your parents said, maybe sometimes with ill intent, maybe just because that's what they said. But they'd say it again and again and again. And guess what? You started to believe it because you heard it often enough. It just became part of your programming. You may not have even realized that you were adopting what was being said, but you took it in and you owned it. And the thing of it is, some of what was said was true and some of it was not true. But you've lived into it anyway. How about the lies about the path to fulfillment? We have all kinds of different ways that, that we try to be fulfilled and our world is telling us how to be fulfilled and they're lies. They don't lead to true fulfillment. And then, unfortunately, there are the lies that strengthen through lack of repentance. The first time we sin in a particular area, man, we are sensitive to what we just did. And by the 49th time, we're pretty okay with it. We're just, oh, well, that's just me. What am I going to do? I really don't have a choice. And it gets ingrained, ingrained because we're living in a state of unrepentant sin. We're constantly choosing between two kingdoms. I love that. It's about the choosing, Choosing. You know, even those, even those voices that you heard as a little kid, understand this, we chose to listen to them. We chose to, we didn't even realize it. We could have said, no, that's not true. But we chose to listen to them. We're constantly choosing between two kingdoms, between life and death, between light and darkness, between truth and lies, between freedom and slavery. And at times we may, consciously or not, allow our adversary to have authority or position in our lives. So as we're, live, we're listening to the lies and believing the lies, we're literally, we're handing Satan the keys to the car and say, go ahead, drive, take me where you want. Just take me where you want. Let's go. Now, they clarify this, and I'm glad they do. It's important. We're clear on two points regarding strongholds. First, a stronghold is more than a sin. That's what we've been talking about already, right? Satan, this line is just beautiful. Satan has taken a natural desire in us and supercharged it to create something beyond our control. There is an area that you have a natural desire. Just a, it's a good desire, a desire for food, a desire for sex. Whatever the desire is, he's taken that natural desire and boom, he supercharged it in a direction that causes you to feel like there's nothing I can do about this. 
Maybe, maybe your supercharged desire is to just that, that things go well in your life and they're not, and it, and it leads to hopelessness and despair and you're struggling. When is life ever going to finally work for me? It works for everybody else. Why doesn't it work for me? He's twisted a weakness we have into a binding knot where he is holding the ropes. It's not something we can overcome by our own trying really hard or being really good. I love that. That this isn't just, folks, you need to try a little harder. Just give it a little more effort and all will be okay. This isn't, what, what, what we went through this past week was not a new sin management program. You, you, don't just, you don't just need to get better at managing your sin. We need to use the supernatural weaponry of the Spirit to fight. A stronghold is a spiritual battle Satan is waging for our souls. The battle is fought in the spiritual realm and is beyond what we can fight without the Spirit's help. You can't do it on your own. We just can't do it on our own. We need the Holy Spirit to help us in this. They say the second thing we must realize about strongholds is that we usually keep them secret. Now, here's what I love. Worst kept secret in the universe. We all have a pretty good idea of your stronghold. Isn't that, isn't that terrible? You think you're managing it so well. You think you've got it covered. You, know, you, you control freaks. I love you. You, you, you think nobody knows. <laughs> right? Yeah. You look through the list. You look through the list. You think you're covering it so well. And too often, it is actually on full display. But it's, it's, there's this irony. We keep them secret, and this continues to give Satan power. When we keep something secret, when we keep it private, when we keep it to ourselves, it, it nurtures and grows in the darkness of our heart. The shame or guilt associated with our stronghold keeps them locked inside us, which is exactly the fuel Satan uses with his lies. As secrets, they weigh heavy on our souls and become burdens onto which Satan continues to pile embarrassment and fear and judgment and despair and more. And so we just find ourselves digging deeper and deeper into the pit and feeling more and more bound. Keeping our stronghold secret is the enemy's effective plan of attack. He wants us to bring it into the light. The fact is we can't do this alone. We just, we can't fight this battle on our own. You keep thinking, I, I, if, I could just, if I could just get this thing fixed by myself, I don't want to bring it out in public. I don't want other people knowing about it. I get to keep it to myself. But we can't do it alone. If it's a stronghold, by definition, it will be challenging to walk away from it. We need help with this. God puts people in our lives whom we can lean on and walk with through this turning from sin. When we confide in a trusted Christian friend, we are relying on the body of Christ to hold us accountable, to encourage us, to cheer us on, and if necessary, to drag us along when the going gets tough. We need each other. We need each other in these stronghold battles. James 5.16, beautiful verse that we don't live into very much at all. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you might be healed. Do you hear that? There is a spiritual healing that comes when we confess our sins to each other and allow someone else to pray with, 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 with us through that. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and it produces wonderful results. We can often be blind to our own strongholds. That's the other reason we need help. 
You know, we'll come and we'll, we'll confess to somebody, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with this sin. And if the person knows you pretty well, hopefully they won't say it this way. And, but they might go something like, oh, really? Because <laughs> we know. We know. You've not hidden it as well as you thought. We can be really blind to our strongholds. In fact, we might think we have an issue in an area, and a friend might be able to say, I hear what you're saying, but... And they bring, another, they bring another perspective to it, another angle to it that you go, wow, I never saw it that way. We can often be blind to our strongholds. They may start it as sin, but if not dealt with, they can spiral down into strongholds, strongholds that cause us great problems. So here's the thing that we need to understand. A chief demonic goal is to destroy your intimate relationships. God uses sin to destroy your relationships. He uses sin to destroy your relationship with the Father and with the Son. He uses sin to destroy your relationship with the Spirit, to cause you to quench the Spirit and grieve the Spirit. He he causes all this uh, breaking of intimate relationships within your household, within relationships you have in the body of Christ, all the way around, these are used to destroy relationship. When we live in isolation, more and more and more, the relationship is destroyed. They say because emotional isolation, in emotional isolation, people are easy. Why? Because emotionally isolated people are easier for them to influence, control, and oppress than people who have loving, supportive relationships. Satan can use your isolation to actually control you more than before. So how do we know if we have a stronghold established in our lives? Well, I love this. You can tell a spiritual stronghold is established because a a habitual pattern of failure or hopelessness exists. If you got an area that, you know, I'm 59, almost, less than a month, If I'm still talking about something that was going on when I was 19, chances are I'm feeling a little hopeless about it. Chances I'm feeling I should have been able to figure this one out by now, but I haven't. You can tell a spiritual stronghold is established because a a habitual pattern of failure or hopelessness exists. This isn't a one-time event or a response, but it's a consistently ungodly thought pattern or action that is your first inclination. And those areas of your mind, will, and emotion that you have willingly yielded to sin are fair game to become footholds for satanic activity. Who's impacted by our strongholds? What's the impact? My goodness, they control, dictate, and influence attitudes and behaviors. That you, you can tell they're being impacted. They oppress and discourage us. And here's the thing, they filter and color how we view everything. Your, your view of the world is viewed through your lies. And that's part of what becomes a stronghold. Your view of the, you know, some of us have this lie that goes something like this. Everybody else has it better than me. Why is it always me? Why is it that if a lightning bolt is going to strike in a crowd, it goes through my forehead? Why in the world is it always me? Why? And we live life with that filter, with that filter of, if it's going to go wrong, it'll be me. It'll be me. 
when fortresses of demonic influence or strongholds have been built in your mind, will, and emotions, you're going to have a hard time hearing from God. Your belief in God is going to be shaken. Your desires are going to be distorted. Our actions are going to be disobedient. And our relationships are just going to be debased. They're going to be ruined. So I love that they take us toward these three things. We need honesty. We need to be honest about the lies we've chosen to believe. You need to take some time to dig out the lie. What's the lie I'm choosing to believe? Not just what's the behavior I'm in. The behavior will help you to point to the lie. So it's not just about managing the behavior, stopping the behavior, or doing the behavior less. It's about here's the behavior What do I believe that's causing me to go in that direction? And then we come to place of surrender and repentance. God, not just forgive me for the action, forgive me for believing the lie. Holy Spirit, help me to hold to the truth and not the lie. And then we need accountability and freedom. And one of the things that I, about accountability that I think is really important, there was, a, there was a season, promise keepers and all that, everybody was talking accountability, accountability. Guys need accountability. And accountability looked something like this. We'd spend the week writing a list of all our sins, and then we'd come to somebody and say, here's all the bad stuff I did this week. That's not, that's not accountability. That's sin reporting, all right? Accountability looks more like I'm about to do the wrong thing. And if I don't phone a friend right now, I'm going to do the wrong thing. And so you make that 2 o'clock in the morning call, and they wake blurry and say, what's up? Well, you know. I need to get this out of my head. I need to stop. I need to get out of my head. Because if I don't get out of my head, my behavior is about to go in a bad direction. That's where accountable friends come in. They help us before we go to the wrong place or as we're going to the wrong place, not a list of here's all the bad things I did this week. Well, don't do that again. Okay, I won't. Be back next week with a new list. No. (laughs) Talk to the person. Have them help you. To walk in the Spirit is a moment-by-moment awareness of God's presence and power in our lives. This happens in prayer when we begin with honest confession of sin, turning away from it and then yielding to God all areas of our life as we ask the Spirit who is already with us. He fills us, right? He indwells us. As as we ask the Spirit who is already indwelling us to fill us and give us strength to live godly lives, we can set out in His strength to live a life of obedience. Do you hear those words? That's Paul talking the, I'm not doing this with earthly weaponry. I'm doing this with spiritual weaponry and spiritual relationships. Every stronghold is rooted in a lie. And so, one of the things as you looked at the chart, they suggested some lies. And by the way, these aren't the only 12 strongholds, and these aren't the only lies. What I found is that none of the lies really directly applied to me. I had a totally different lie, Totally different lie. For me, I think the lie that comes from my earliest childhood, I was a good kid. I was just a good kid and I wasn't much trouble. And I had some other family members who who were a little more trouble than me. Not, Not so much just in action. My sister couldn't hear. It took up a lot of my parents' attention. And as the good kid, I just sat quietly. And as the good kid, I found myself more and more hearing from my parents you don't need me. I need to go help them. You don't need me. I need to go help them. I need to go help her. 
So I start into my relationship with God in sincerity, and what starts to happen? There are a whole lot of trouble. Happen to notice what's going on in Ukraine today? Why in the world does God need to pay attention to me? There are bigger things going on in the world than my problems. And that starts leading to different strongholds in my life. It could, be, it could lead to a stronghold of saying, well, then fine, I'm going to start being bad to get some attention. I mean, all different ways that we, can, that we can act on the lie. And what I needed to hear was some truth. I had a friend quote to me, Psalm 3.3. said, the Lord is a, he's a shield about me, and he's the lifter of my head. He said, here's what I want you to do. When, you, when you're in that place, when you're in that place of kind of thinking you're being ignored, you're being overlooked, imagine God coming and taking that, that crooked index finger and lifting your head and looking in your eyes and saying, no, I do notice you. I do notice you. We've got to figure out what the lie is that we're believing and then not just come up with some positive thinking gobbledygook to overcome it, but go to Scripture and learn what is our true identity. Here's the thing. At some point in our life, we chose to believe the lie. Why can't we choose to believe God when he speaks? Why can't we choose to believe the truth? We chose to believe the lie. Why can't we choose to believe the truth? And as we listen to the truth, and as the Spirit empowers the truth, not going to be worrying about sin management. Because part of the reason the sin is happening is because we're buying the lie. We're buying the lie. We need to dismantle the lie. We need to destroy the stronghold of the lie. We need to take the lie captive, hand it over to Jesus and say, he's your prisoner. Take care of him. So every one of these, you noticed as you went through the chart, they'd give you what the stronghold was, bitterness, for example. And from bitterness, we go to a place of forgiveness. And they gave us a lie. I have the power and protection when I don't forgive. I'm in greater power when I don't forgive. The stronghold of control, I can control my own life. Oh, that is a wonderful delusion, isn't it? I mean, if COVID didn't undo that one on you, I don't know what will, <laughs> right? How about the stronghold of, of, of idolatry? If I just had a little more, I'd be content. Oh, my word. Amazon loves people like this. Just had a, I just had a different, if I just had an upgrade, if I just, ah, just a little more, I'd finally find that contentment. Despair, even God has abandoned me. I am all alone in this. Jealousy. Jealousy says, I'm entitled to all that I have and all that you have. Sexual immorality, I am free to satisfy all my desires any way I want. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. False teaching, what I believe to be true is more trustworthy than God. My science, my brain, my teachers, I believe them. That's who I'm choosing to believe. Insecurity, I'm less than everyone around me. Rejection, I am not lovable. Some of us live in that lie quite consistently. Deceit, my actions are justified if, I get, if it gets me what I need. If lying gets me to the place, to the end, the ends justify the means. Fear, being afraid, keeps me from harm. Again, how did that work out in COVID for you? Pride, 
I am where I am because of all that I have done. All these lies, these lies that we choose to believe. And we need to go to Scripture and find Scripture that combats the lie. We've got to combat the lie. Lies are, are rooted, the strongholds are rooted in lies. So this is not a lie. In about two weeks, spring will finally be here. Can't wait. Woohoo! Daffodils will bloom, birds will fly, butterflies, the whole works. Oh, it'll be great. And just when you start going, spring is finally here, so are these. Ah, <laughs> why do you have to have the spring ruiner? Why the weeds? I'll tell you why the weeds. It involved a piece of fruit, remember? <laughs> Congratulations. Welcome weeds. There are a couple of different ways you can deal with weeds. Some of us go one at a time pulling them out. You know how this works. You pull them out, and about three weeks later, what are you doing back here again? Because you left the root down there. Personally, I'm a fan of this. Now, I know some of you are like, no, don't use that. That causes, I know, this. Is like, I'd be better off saying the word Voldemort this morning than saying the word Roundup. It's, it's the word we do not use. But I'm telling you what, you want to get rid of a weed and everything around it? Here, this is a friend, right? <laughs> Pulling weeds by the roots is trying harder. And that's what some of you are going to try to do with your stronghold. I just need to try harder. Just need a little more effort. And that weed is not going to go away. You need spiritual roundup. You need to go at it. Truth, uh, spirit-empowered truth. Not just quoting the verse, but asking the Holy Spirit, empower me in this battle. Help me to fight the lie. So we're going to get this to you. I love it. They, they gave us a, a bookmark of our true identity in Christ. And you can find this all over the place, not just rooted, but lots of places. Uh, Neil Anderson years ago, there are others who have, who have lists of Scripture that say, this is who you are in Jesus. And we need to live into that truth. So one of the things that we are encouraged to do is pray a prayer. A prayer that involves the releasing from the stronghold. Father, I come before you in the name of Jesus. I recognize the power you have given me by the shed blood of Jesus to demolish spiritual strongholds in my life. I confess that I've given a foothold to sin and I renounce the stronghold of, and you fill in the blank. Again, it doesn't have to be one of the magic 12. You know what the you know what your habitual sin is. You know you know that behavior that binds you. I renounce it, and I claim the truth of, and maybe it's the truth of a verse, or just the truth of what's opposite. But I renounce the stronghold. I claim the truth by the authority of the name of Jesus Christ. Through your power, I take back the ground I surrendered to the enemy. I pray you will enable me to trust and obey your Holy Spirit so that this area of my life will be in conformity to the image of Christ. We're going to have that prayer on the screen during communion. So whether it's while you're standing in line or you come back to your seat, would you take a moment to pray this prayer of confession to Jesus? Pray this prayer of confession to God the Father. Pray this prayer of confession to the Holy Spirit. Pray today for a release a release from the stronghold that binds you. Two tables at the front for communion, three at the back. This one over here doesn't get used as much as all the rest. So if some of you want a new table, that's a great one over there. Two gluten-free on either side of the stage and a gluten-free at the back as well. Let's take a time with Jesus in communion, praying this prayer of confession and, and repentance.
We said a few weeks ago, prayer, prayer for too many of us is a last resort when in fact it should be a first response. It should be the first. That's the spiritual weaponry right there. The weaponry of prayer. We need to be in prayer on our knees. Now I know some of you, some of you are going, prayer is for the weak. Yes, it is. And guess what? If you're made of this stuff, you're weak. We all are. You can't fight it on your own. You can keep trying. You can keep your good little sin management program going, but I'm telling you what, it will break every time. You only fight spiritual battles with spiritual weapons. If somebody comes at me with a machine gun, I want a bazooka. I want a bunch of them. Prayer is, you're trying to fight the battle against the enemy and you don't have a weapon in your hands. Yeah, you are weak apart from the power of God. So grab the power of God and walk in it today. We'll see you later.